the great recruiters will uh, tell you that they, you know, they love their travelers, right? We live vicariously through you and we're with you in the highs and the lows and the in-betweens and, um, you know, so you should have a, a great relationship with your recruiter. It doesn't mean you have to be best friends, but you should have um, a really positive working relationship. And Welcome back to the Gap Travel Podcast. We are your hosts, Kim and Aaron, and we have an awesome episode for you, especially if you are a new traveler or, I mean, honestly, in my opinion, any traveler at this moment, because we go behind the scenes with our favorite go-to recruiter, Mason Stebbins from Club Staffing. Yeah, it's... It's really, it's a fun episode. We kind of go all over the place. We dive into so many different topics. And, you know, Mason has been our recruiter for eight years, one of our recruiters for eight years, but he's our go-to person when we have questions about the industry specifically. He's super knowledgeable. Um, he, he just knows like a lot about a lot of different things. And so we wanted to highlight and bring to light these private conversations that we're having with him and really use this time to pick his brain to ask questions that you guys want to know the travelers want to know and he really gives like he spills the tea like he gives us some good juicy stuff we cover you know how to stand out as a new traveler why you should travel right now. Um, I know many people are on the fence and thinking maybe they'll start traveling next year, but he goes into great detail and really gives a, a pro tip of why you shouldn't wait and mm-hmm. why you should travel now, which we were both like, wow, that's that's so smart. Like, yeah. never thought about it like that. Um, and also, just the way the market's going. Uh, we talk a lot about just kind of the projections for the industry and how the industry is coming back, which we didn't say this even a month ago. So things are starting to really change and kind of take off again. So we dig into all that. And we also talk specifically about COVID, right? We're in the middle of a pandemic. There's a lot of fears around that as far as how we're getting paid. Um, If we do contract COVID while, you know, on a travel assignment, um, pay packages in general in a pandemic and just protections and all of that stuff, like when it comes to COVID. So we, we like dive in y'all. This is fully loaded. Yeah. There's so much even more than we even had planned, which is what I love about talking to Mason and this actual conversation, as, as a lot of, you know, you know, Kim's in, in a contract right now and I'm not. And this actual idea for the podcast was sparked because I just called Mason just to talk to him and, and see what's up. And kind of, I had some questions that I was thinking about and we ended up talking for over an hour and I was like, man, what a great podcast episode. And we would love to have him on. Um, and so just a little bit about Mason though. Mason has been a recruiter for club staffing for 13 years. He has now actually left the actual like recruiting. He is not having travelers underneath him, but he is the director of recruiting. And he's, like I said, with Club Staffing, which is an AMN um, branch, and they're the largest healthcare staffing in the US. Um, So it is a huge company. And Mason's personal um, passion is to make a positive impact on the lives of travelers through them impact the lives of millions of patients around the country, which I absolutely love. I love that. And and I love him. And I, and I think he's fantastic. He's super personable. We also talk a lot about like mindset and goal setting and expectations as travelers. And it's just, it's just really, really well-rounded. And mm-hmm. we are really excited to share this with you. I think you guys are going to walk away with a lot of great tips, a lot of things to think about 
a lot of knowledge about the industry, where it's going. And um, yeah, without let's, further ado, let's do the damn thing. Let's Welcome, do it. Mason Stebbins. Welcome, Mason, to the podcast. We are so happy to have you. Fun fact, you are the first recruiter on the Gap Travel podcast, which is really, really awesome. Very honored. Thank you, both of you. Um, I've been wanting to do this since you guys started the podcast, so I'm excited to be here. Well, and you know, we kind of talked about this a little bit in the intro, but you you are our go-to like you are our go-to rockstar recruiter we always encourage our travelers to work with multiple recruiters to kind of keep their options open and stuff but you were always like our ride or die like first call <laughs> first call before first call it's just it's like always so like just... let's check in with mason before we do anything else and really the whole you know inspiration for this podcast is we always have these in-depth conversations with you even when we're not trying to find a contract and find work. We just like to connect with you because you're so knowledgeable about the industry and you're just like a plethora of wisdom. And so we always pick your brain and we thought how awesome it would be to be able to bring that conversation to light and share some of the stuff we talk about behind the scenes with the traveling community so that they can kind of take away some tips and tricks and all of that. Well, so. not only knowledgeable, you're also a lot of fun to talk to. So I'll add that in because I just enjoy our conversations, even when it's not about travel, <laughs> just about life in general. Totally. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. And, and that's always been a passion of mine. It's just kind of sharing my knowledge. And I feel it's an obligation, you know, after being in the industry for so long and, and having great mentors um, you know, educate me. And um, I just want to pass that along and, and share that with, uh, with other travelers and, and anybody else who has an interest in the industry. Mm, I love, love that. that. Yep. And so we have like so many things we want to unpack in this episode. Um, we'll be talking about COVID and the pandemic and how that's kind of changed the industry. But just from like a recruiter's standpoint, I mean, you're used to going into the office and, you know, going into work and you work with other, you know, with other recruiters and within the company. And now it seems like everybody is working from home and kind of just want to hear your perspective of how has that changed things? Like how is the work-life balance at home? I know you have a new baby, just kind of like what that's been like uh, from your side of the street. Yeah, certainly like everybody else in the world uh, kind of just got flipped upside down and um I was really proud of, of how well the company was not only prepared, but then how quickly they acted and, and adapted uh, to the circumstances. I think we were probably a little bit more prepared from a technology standpoint than uh, a lot of other companies out there. So I was very fortunate. Uh, we all have laptops, even when we're working in the office. Um, so that if we had uh, the option or the choice um, or needed to work from home, um, we could. And so we were, we were already kind of used to that. There are a lot of people that would maybe be on the road or situations where, um, like me being in Florida, we may have a hurricane approach and we would have to shut down the office. But, you know, the power would still be on and we'd be all safe. And so we would have the ability to work from home. And so we just took that to the nth degree, um, but the company did a great job of 
making sure that everybody had the uh, technology and the infrastructure at home. So if we needed to send out extra equipment, we could. Um, they gave us uh, a office allowance if we needed to buy, you know, maybe some additional office supplies. And, um, you know, we just really got up and running very quickly. Um, but yeah, definitely threw everybody for a loop, uh, having the offices closed and, and we're not projecting uh, to reopen any of the office uh, offices until at least next year um, when it's obviously safe to do so. But, um, you know, it's honestly in a, in a lot of ways, it's been a real positive because um, you're not having to commute right day mm -hmm. in and, and day out. Uh, you're probably eating, uh, you know, your homemade lunches a little bit more. So you're not eating out as much, not spending as much money and, and probably eating a little bit healthier too. Um, mm -hmm. And then I know we all really enjoyed um, spending that extra time with, with our families. And that's something that's kind of been a silver lining for me. I do have a young daughter. And so to be able to spend uh, that additional time on a daily basis with her and, and with my wife has, has been, has been nice. It really has been. So um, and then just from a um, team member standpoint, you know, we all just kind of staying connected through the technology. We're doing virtual happy hours and little kind of get togethers and, you know, little contests and games doing, um, you know, bingo nights and trivia nights. And we're just doing it through Microsoft Teams. Um, and so that's how we're kind of, you know, staying connected uh, with, you know, with our team members as well, too. So. Um, it's been different, but, um, you know, I think we're all pretty settled in and, and used to it now. And, and I think, uh, you know, this is something that's not going away. I think um, there's going to be a lot more companies around uh, the country and around the world uh, that understand that uh, that remote offsite work uh, is, op is an option. It's completely viable. You don't have to worry about your uh, productivity you know, uh, dropping off of a cliff and uh, you can still run your business and run your business well uh, while having, you know, everybody work from home. Have you, I mean, have you seen an overall just, I mean, I know this is probably hard to gauge, but I feel like that creates such more happy work environment too as well, right? Completely. Oh yeah. And, and we had, before before the pandemic, we had a, an incentive uh, for team members that if they were, uh, you know, achieving certain uh, production metrics and, and levels that they would earn the right to work remotely from home. And uh, depending on their performance, they could gain more of that kind of work from home uh, time. You know, they would earn additional days. And so we used it actively as an incentive uh, for our employees. And yeah, I think a lot of people would tell you that uh, their job satisfaction has has increased. Now, again, it's not all, uh, you know, it's not all positives. There's certainly some downsides, right? You feel a little bit more isolated. Yeah. You know, you're not um, maybe connecting, you know, uh, in as many ways as you would if you were in the office with maybe some of your other support departments and people that you maybe don't interact with on a normal daily basis. Um, you know, and certainly newer hires, you know, I think that's a disadvantage to them because they don't get to uh, really get to know uh, their, their fellow coworkers and, and, and leaders maybe as, um, you know, as kind of deeply as they would, uh, you know, if we were in the office versus now. But, but that's something that if you're 
actively mindful of it, you know, then you can, you can work on it, right? You could say, okay, these are the disadvantages of working from home. How do we address it? And, and that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Love that. We definitely, Karen, so we've always, our dream in life always has been to work from home or have the uh, location independence that we could work from anywhere in the world. Obviously, we're huge travel enthusiasts. We definitely picked the wrong uh, career to get into, working in the <laughs> hospital, which you can never work from home. Like, yeah. what were we thinking? But that's why traveling came in so, like, yeah. amazingly is because of the freedom that traveling as a healthcare professional allows, which is why we've been still going 100%. eight years later. So. It, like, saved us. The traveling yeah. world saved us, um, which is what we kind of want to jump into next. So, We want to talk a little bit about the industry because obviously with COVID, I mean, the industry, unless you were, you know, a nurse or a respiratory therapist and in some other modalities, like the industry itself took a hit. There was less jobs. There was more travelers looking. It became super competitive. And so, you know, we were talking to our community about, hey, if you obviously we always try to recruit everybody to traveling because we're obsessed with the travel lifestyle, but we're like, honestly, I wouldn't jump in right now. I would, I would wait until things, you know, start to pick up again. I probably wouldn't leave a full-time job right now to jump into traveling when things are still, you know, unpredictable and um, it's still, you know, it's super competitive. So that being said, I know in the conversation that you and Aaron had last week, there were, you know, rumblings of the industry starting to pick up even more, uh, specifically speaking about allied. And so the question is if you, so say you had, you know, a son or a daughter who was older and was like, I'm going to start healthcare traveling right now. Like, would you encourage them to go ahead and leave their full-time job and take the leap? Or would you tell them, Hey, maybe wait a little bit longer. Let's see how things continue to unfold here. Like what would be your advice for that new traveler? Who's ready to take the leap? Um, is it smart right now to do that? Yeah, I would say, yes, go for it. You know, as as long as you're going into it with, with clear eyes, right. And you know where the market is and um, you have the right expectations. Absolutely. The job market is strong enough where it is safe um, to, uh, to leave a permanent position and to start traveling based on your discipline. Now, you know, I would talk to, you know, uh, the two of you, I would talk to, to, you know, a couple different agencies and, and to gauge your specific discipline and whether it would be right. But I would say for the majority of the allied market, you know, it is safe to go ahead and, and give notice uh, once you find an assignment. Don't do it before, but mm-hmm. it is good to go ahead and, and jump out there. So if you're respiratory therapy, if you're a medical lab scientist, aka medical technologist or a medical lab technician, definitely safe for, for them as well. If you're uh, CT tech, uh, you know, maybe with some x-ray experience or straight CT uh, or MRI, there, there are plentiful, uh, you know, assignments out there, ultrasound, of course, and, and cath and IR uh, can, can definitely uh, feel comfortable give, you know, uh, leaving a permanent position to start their travel career. Um, You know, I would say, have a savings fund. That's always kind of one of my big recommendations because 
you know, that'll smooth out any sort of bumps in the road that you may have with your assignment. As both of you know, you know, things are kind of can be unpredictable, right? And um, you just don't know what might pop up before or during your assignment. And having a little bit of, uh, of a savings uh, kind of fund that you can um, utilize, whether it's because you're in between contracts or something comes up, you know, you have uh, some sort of unintended expense that happens while you're on the assignment, um, you know, that'll obviously uh, help kind of smooth uh, out any sort of obstacles that, you know, may come up, whether it's with your housing or your travel arrangements, um, you know, as you know, there, there can always kind of be some unexpected uh, expenses that may come up. So that's always key is to have a, a savings uh, fund. Um, you know, do your research, right? Join uh, Kim and Aaron's Traveler School. Um, you know, uh, ask anybody that you know that's a traveler or used to travel in the past, what was their experience like? Do they have any recommendations? Do they have any referrals? You know, um, you know, and, and I think know what your goals and your priorities are is really important, right? So if your goal or your one of your main priorities is I need to be working consistently, right? I have to go from one assignment to the next with very little time off in between those, those contracts. If that's one of your priorities, then, you know, be flexible on the locations that you're willing to consider, be flexible on the, uh, you know, the type of assignment, whether it's the, the length or the hours uh, or the details, um, you know, as it pertains to, to your individual discipline, um, you know, be flexible on what pay packages you might consider. You know, you may um, want to take some assignments that maybe are a little bit on what would be considered the lower side, depending on your discipline to keep that consistency going. But if your priority is to get to a specific area of the country, then same thing, then maybe be a little bit flexible on the positions that you'll consider. Um, you know, but if you know what your, what your primary goals are going into it, then you know how to kind of plan accordingly. If it's to make the most money possible, then, then that's a great goal too. And, and the same thing, you know, then you might want to be a little bit flexible on, um, on some of your other, you know, criteria. Um, and just be adaptable. You know, that's always a big recommendation that I have too, is just know that there's, it's never going to go a hundred percent to plan, you know? And, and so you have to have the right personality um, to, to kind of understand and deal with some adversity that's going to come your way. But if you know, going into it that, Hey, there's going to be some hiccups. It's just, it, it's just a, a nature of the business, right? Cause what we're doing is so complex on such a short time frame. Um, you know, uh, but if, as long as you communicate with your recruiter, you can work through it. If you have a good recruiter and a good agency that you're working with, you'll be able to, you know, adapt uh, to some of those obstacles that, that may pop up, you know, before or during your assignment. You, go ahead, I was gonna... Just real quick. Um, when we're talking about, you know, pay packages and bill rates and things, I know that a lot of different modalities took a, a bit of a dip during the pandemic because it was more competitive. Are you seeing that start to come back up as far as, you know, uh, what it was before the pandemic as far as, you know, pay packages are concerned in that regard? I know. Yeah. The, yeah. The amount of the amount of job orders has 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 risen back up to um a really healthy level. Um, and again, depending on the discipline, you know, you may be 
right at or very close to uh, the kind of the amount of job orders that we have before uh, the pandemic. If you're in the respiratory or in the lab field, it's actually much higher. Um, so there's more uh, positions available than even uh, before the pandemic. Um, and the competition level um, is, you know, is still strong. It's always at a healthy level but it's much more of a balance than where we were a few months ago, meaning, you know, the amount of orders and the amount of candidates that are available and looking, you know, is, um, is a little bit um, more balanced, you know, and, and so that's the, to the advantage of, of the candidate, right. To the traveler, um, you know, so it, it's looking really good and it continues to improve every week. So, so that's on the competition level, but I think like on a, on a bill rate standpoint. Yeah. And on a, on a pay package standpoint, same thing, you know, as, as the, as it's become more competitive for the hospitals and, and the facilities, um, whether getting maybe fewer candidates applying to, to individual positions, um, than they did say during the summer, um, you know, their, their bill rates have increased to, to try and attract candidates, uh, to their uh, to their positions, so pay packages have have obviously um, you know been increasing and getting back to really the levels that they were at before the pandemic. Okay, cool. That's really that. really exciting to hear. Honestly, I know it is, and I, I yeah. wanted to, I wanted to make a statement though because you said something that really triggered me in a, in a positive way was the personality type because Kim and I are huge on mindset. Um, we also, you know, we always say that when you learn the logistical things, but if you mix it with the mindset of a traveler and really understanding that, that's when your journey gets amazing. And that's when it's really awesome. And I was thinking about it when you were talking and talking about the different adversities. And I know, obviously, Kim and I have had adversities through eight years of traveling, but it's funny that they're not big enough to really sit with my mind, you know, in my mind of like, so like not to take you out of wanting to travel. No, I'm saying just like, I can't look back on my eight years and be like, this happened. And it was so devastating and all these mm -hmm. kind of things. And I think that is because one, you know, having great communication with you and also our mindset going in, understanding that there's different adversities, different little speed bumps that challenges. you go into and challenges, but you almost like look forward to them because that's part of the adventure. A hundred percent. Yeah, some of the best some of the best stories and the best um, life experiences come out of adversity, right? And you can look back on it and say, "Wow, um, you know that was kind of frustrating at the time, or that was disappointing that that happened." But I grew from it. I, I learned from it, and I'm stronger now because of it. And if you and if you expect that, and you know that, hey, it's not always going to go perfectly as planned you're more better prepared from a mental standpoint when something does come up, right? Mm -hmm. When your start date gets delayed or your housing that you thought you had kind of falls through or you get to the assignment and maybe it's not the best assignment, right? That department isn't as welcoming as maybe you'd hope or there's some communication um, gaps, you know, and um, maybe the assignment just isn't necessarily meeting kind of all of your expectations. But if you go into it knowing that, um, you know, there, again, there might be some adversity here. You're better prepared for it. And then to your point, Aaron, it's not as big of a deal when it does happen. But if you're going into it with kind of rose colored glasses and something comes up, you know, it can blindside you a little bit. And I think that's where some new travelers get thrown off a little and they kind of go, Oh, well, my, my perm job was like safe and secure mm -hmm. and quiet. And it's like, well, yeah, but 
you wanted to leave that safe, secure environment to do something bigger, right? Mm -hmm. Do something better, do something bolder Mm -hmm. um, to really say, hey, I took a chance and I lived life to the fullest. And, you know, it's not always, uh, it's not always perfect, but that's, that's life, right? Oh, yeah, that's so well said. Hundred percent, and I'm so glad that we're talking about that too, because the mindset is so important. And we say like traveling is not for everybody. Like there is so much freedom and flexibility and opportunity that comes with it, but it's also, you know, not always rainbows and butterflies. And you do walk into those contracts where you're just like, oh crap, what have I, what have I done? But you know, it's temporary. You know, you're going to, that, that's what always keeps me sane. It's like, and I've been blessed. I've had amazing contracts, but there are times where you're like, okay, this is temporary. You can get through anything when it's three months and then you get to get excited about what's to come next, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but okay. So speaking, cause you exactly. talk about travelers and I want to just chat about this for a second because you know, we have a lot of people in our community that are wanting to start traveling, but they're kind of on the fence and you know, we know with getting your very first contract, it can take a little bit longer. Um, you know, you're going up against other veteran travelers that are interested in the same job. And, and so that can take a little bit longer to get your foot in the door. So just from, you know, the recruiting side, your perspective of what are some tips that you have for a new traveler coming in to kind of stand out and be able to lock in that first contract so they can get the ball rolling and start building the relationship now. Yeah, I would say, um, you know, providing up. So from kind of the beginning of the process, you know, once you go through Kim and Aaron's traveler school (laughs) and um, you, you know, you, you've done your research, you have identified a couple different agencies and a couple different recruiters that you enjoy working with. um, Then you want to make sure that you're giving your recruiter uh, the best chance possible to get you placed. And so a few things that you can do is um, make sure that you have uh, good job descriptions, right, for uh, your recruiter to make sure that it's in your profile and in your work history. And and what most, you know, hiring managers are looking for is they just want the facts, right? So what, what procedures and equipment did you work with? What software did you work with? You know, just give them kind of the basics of, um, you know, some of the the specific procedures and and the volume, you know, that you were maybe handling in your last few positions. And so make sure that your recruiter has that information. Um, Make sure that you can provide them with uh, good um, supervisory uh, references. And um, you just need to have the contact information. You know, agencies are going to have their own uh, kind of process and and, and forms that that supervisor is going to need to complete for them. So don't worry about kind of bothering your, your current or, or past leaders for um, writing like a, a letter of recommendation. We, we can't really use those, but just have that contact information and, and make sure obviously the, um, you know, the supervisor is okay being a reference for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, cause those two things will really help. Uh, bolster your profile and and um, give that hiring uh, manager that we're submitting uh, your information over to gives them a good idea of of who you are and and what you're currently doing or what you've currently done in the past because they want to make sure that obviously you're a good clinical fit for their position. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is is gather up copies of your uh, your licenses certifications 
and your health records. If you can get like your immunization records and provide those to your recruiter as well too, because that'll help expedite uh, your onboarding process. And in some cases we need to provide copies of those licenses or certifications at the time that we send over your profile uh, to the facility. So if we already have them on hand, we can obviously get, um, you know, you submitted over to that position a lot faster than trying to kind of do it, you know, after the fact. Um, you know, for first time travelers really trying to get that first contract, flexibility is key. Mm-hmm. So as, as kind of open as you can be, the, the better. You know, that's going to increase uh, your, your timing and your speed uh, in getting that first assignment and increase your chances of getting that first assignment. So, you know, be as open as you can geographically as far as where you would consider assignments. Um, if you can be flexible on pay, that's always uh, helpful as well, too. You know, your recruiter may even be able to maybe undercut the competition a little bit, you know, meaning the other travelers and say, hey, I know, you know, this facility, you're, you know, you're willing to pay X amount for a traveler. Well, here's somebody who can do it, you know, for $2 an hour cheaper. Mm-hmm. That's going to attract some eyeballs. You know, hospitals and health systems right now are very cost conscious. So if they can save a couple dollars an hour on a candidate who they may or may not, you know, kind of consider um, now they're really going to take a, a, a close look at their profile and see kind of how you stack up, you know, maybe against the other people that were uh, put in for the job, you know, and be willing to kind of, again, be flexible on your shift and your hours. You know, if you're in a discipline that has call, you know, if you're willing to take call or not. Um, and, and also if you can start, soon or sooner, you know, then that's also going to, um, you know, probably increase your chances of getting an interview and an offer because from the, from the health systems standpoint, what they're looking for is people who are a good clinical match who can start right away and, you know, who are reasonable from a cost standpoint. So if you can start sooner and um, maybe, you know, you're willing to be a little bit more flexible on your, on your pay package, um, and you have a good, strong profile, and you're willing to be, you know, submitted to, um, you know, quite a few positions, then that's really going to help, um, you know, you and 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 help your recruiter and get you, you know, getting you placed. And and if you can avoid time off, um, that's helpful too, because that is something that, um, you know, some of the hiring managers will look at and say, well, look, I can't cover a week off, you know, uh, for this candidate. You know, that's maybe one of the reasons why we're we're bringing a traveler in. So if you could do those those few things, um, those will all, all make a difference. Yeah, no, I love that because that's, you know, one thing is we always try to suggest too, is we have so much flexibility as travelers that, you know, when you're working a contract, you're there to work. And so, you know, yes, things do come up and and Kim and I have over our eight years taken definitely some time off, um, while working in a contract, but we try to save all that time for after a contract and you can take off as much time as you want and you know, you're in work zone, um, and that really does help elevate you into getting a lot more contracts. I do want to say you and I had a very interesting conversation, which, as we said, kind of sparked this podcast. But you mentioned something about traveling in quarter four, which would be October, November, December versus uh, quarter one for new travelers. Can you explain that a little more? Yeah. So, you know, what happens in, in most years is a lot of people, if they are going to start traveling for the first time, 
naturally a lot of them think, well, new year, new me, new adventure, right? I'm going to start traveling in January. I'll get through the holidays. I'll use up a bunch of my PTO. I'll kind of, you know, uh, say my goodbyes to my family and stuff over the holidays. And then I'll, I'll start in January. Mm-hmm. Well, the problem is, is so is every, everybody else is thinking that same way, right? So it's not just you. And, and then you've got, you know, uh, more kind of uh, seasoned travelers who, you know, have kind of um, said, hey, you know, this year I'm in a, I'm going to be home for the holidays. A lot of them do travel through the holidays, of course, but, you know, um, some of them will, will take a break uh, around the end of the year and then start up again in January. So you kind of had this bottleneck where you have a ton of candidates all looking at the same time. And so then that's more competition between those candidates for the job orders that we have. And then at the same time, we tend to usually get fewer job orders uh, right around the end of the year, beginning of the year, because a lot of the hiring managers are out or their leadership within their facility is out. Um, There's not as much turnover, um, you know, from a permanent employee standpoint. So therefore they don't, need travelers as much because people aren't quitting their jobs, right? They're going to wait until through the first of the year. And um, so kind of all those factors, you know, depending on the fiscal year that the health system follows, it could be a budget issue as well too. And and a lot of times they're doing their strategic planning and and what are they going to do that following year? And, And so that kind of plays into their staffing levels a little bit as well too. So you know, trying to, to take a contract in January as a first-time traveler, um, it definitely can be done, but you need to be very, very flexible, and you need to understand that it may take some time. It may take us a few weeks, if not longer, depending on your discipline and depending on how the job market is looking um, in that particular year. So the advantage would be to try and travel at the, you know, October, November, December, try and take a contract then where the jobs are more plentiful and there's, and there's a little bit less competition amongst the candidates and amongst the travelers. That's a really good pro tip. It really is. That's like such good advice though for a new traveler, because everybody, just like you said, everybody that we've talked to are like, yeah, I'm going to get through the holidays and I'm going to start looking around January and take the leap and finally start traveling. And um, literally everybody we've, we've talked to has said that. And I'm like, yeah, and everybody else is too. So yep. it's like, you know, screw the beginning of the year, jump in now, and then take a little time off in January if you want to, you know? Well, Well, you have a better choice of jobs too, right? Because there's more positions available. So yeah, you're not going to be home for the holidays this year, but you know what? Celebrate a little bit early or do it a little bit later or have them come out and visit you, right? That's an experience. Um, You know, I always kind of share the story that I don't know where I went for Thanksgiving last year. I think I was here at my house, but I remember where I did Thanksgiving when I was 16 because we were at Disney World and we had fried chicken and from room service for Thanksgiving dinner because that was like the closest thing we could get. But it was a blast. And I'll I'll remember that day for the rest of my life. So, you know, have your friends or family share that experience with you and come out and visit you on your assignment. You'll have a little bit of time to get settled and kind of get situated and then they can come out and see you and um, you'll have a blast. And, and then that way you can also, um, you could be a little bit more selective on where you take that first contract or what you take, you know, um, because there are more positions available versus if you wait until January, 
you know, you may end up taking that first contract in a location that you're like, uh, I didn't really want to go here, you know, um, because, right. but you know what, I got to do it because I really want to travel. And, you know, so, um, you know, traveling and taking that first assignment in October, November, December, in a lot of ways is, is, is more advantageous for you, especially in the long run. Yeah, it's funny. Actually, tracing back Kim and I's travel journey through the eight years, I actually was, it's just funny how it hit me that majority of our start dates have been either like May, June, or September, October mm-hmm. um, for the eight years. And then we usually travel through or take the time off um, after the holidays, like we said, and, and go home. But mm-hmm. funny how that's always been our eight years, but then there was one time that I tried to start in January and that was definitely more challenging. Um, even being, you know, a, a seasoned traveler, it was yeah. tough. And yeah, even, even for the veteran travelers and, you know, and again, they may have to end up taking something that they may not normally would, you know, they may take a little bit of a lower pay package than what they, you know, previously would, would be comfortable doing or taking it in a location that they may not be thrilled about, or, you know, if they're uh, particular about the hours that they work, they don't really like to work evenings or nights, or they don't want to take a job with a ton of call, you know, you, you may have to take one of those assignments just to get, get some money in your, in your pocket and pay some of those bills. And then, you know, and then again, to Kim's earlier point, Hey, it's three months, you know, so if you don't enjoy it, um, then you, you know, you move on to the next assignment, but, and, and of course, and we could go on and on about pleasant surprises. I can't tell you how many times a traveler has said, oh, I don't want to go there. And then it ends up being their favorite assignment. They end up meeting some amazing people, lifelong friends, or just have a, a great time, you know, in that location that they never previously considered. I love that you brought that up because, well, first of all, you know, we're in Missouri right now. We're in St. Louis. I just started a contract two weeks ago. And when you first uh, sent over this contract, I was like, ugh, like no offense to Missouri, but like, I wasn't really a place I wanted to go. Um, it was never really on my radar. And I was kind of like, I don't know. Like, do we really want to go to Missouri? I was all for it. Aaron was like <laughs> gung ho from the beginning. I was like, I don't really want to go to Missouri. But I ended up obviously taking the job and I got to say, I am blown away and I don't know what I was expecting. I didn't really have any expectations, but A, it's absolutely beautiful here. Um, The leaves are starting to change colors. It's green. There's tons of hiking. There's beautiful rivers and lakes. St. Louis itself has tons of good restaurants. Yeah, it's a thriving city, like so many cool things going on. And then my contract while you know we are busy and there's a lot of call which at first was kind of like a turnoff but the people are amazing it's like the coolest friendliest group of people i've met they keep like already asking to hang out they want to do stuff and and so i'm really glad that i didn't just say eh, kind of like i don't really want to go to missouri and i was open for the experience and this is going to be a great contract so um, and Janesville, Wisconsin was oh, yeah. our second contract, negative 22 degrees coming from Florida in the middle of snow. <laughs> and that was one of our favorite contracts. Hands down favorite contracts. Like those people, like we're still friends with, we had so much fun and yeah, never thought in my life, like, I really want to go to Janesville, Wisconsin, but like, I'm was it really on your radar on your map? <laughs> no, but it was amazing. It was so much fun. So yeah, always stay open, always stay open. If it feels right, because that's the thing too, it's like, we're always big on listening to your intuition and your gut. And even though I was kind of like, eh, Missouri, 
underneath it, it still felt right. There was still something that I was like, hmm, okay. Got to explore Yeah, and I'm so glad that we did. You know, I think so. that's for, and for new travelers too, you know, you, you want to do some quick research on a location when a recruiter, you know, presents a, a position to you and, and, and if, if you get submitted to a position, but don't go overboard, right? You don't need to research it to death because if you, every city, you know, is going to have, you know, it's bad areas. It's going to have some downside to it. No place is perfect. Right. But you'll, you'll miss so many, um, you know, diamonds in the rough out there. And just to your point, just these, these towns and cities and areas of the country that you may have never even thought about going to, and it, it could be a, an amazing experience. So, you know, you want to check it out, but, uh, you know, just kind of be open. That's kind of my, one of my big uh, pieces of advice for, for newer travelers is just be open to the possibilities because you, you may be really pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I actually want to take um, this next little segment of the uh, podcast. And I just really feel that for some reason, I, I really haven't been able to put my finger on it. Um, one, I think you, you know, we are in such good communication, which really pulls the curtain back a lot um, for what goes on behind the scenes. But just from the recruiter company agency standpoint, when a new traveler is like submitting um, and there are tons of veteran travelers out there, like what is that process of them getting on top or is Kim and I always going to get submitted slash Mason, I hope you do, but, um, <laughs> but, um, but how does that work for a new traveler? It's like, you know, you have how many, you know, applicants and, and do you want to add? No, I was going to say like a behind the scenes peek, cause we don't normally get to do this, but a behind the scenes peek of like, Hey, this job popped up. Like you see it pop up and like now all these people are getting submitted or like how quickly does that actually happen? Like what's going on behind the scenes and when are you like, you know, at this point, Kim, there's no chance. Like, you're probably not going to get this job because there's too many applicants of, like, just what's going on behind the scenes when you are submitting travelers and kind of the – I just imagine it being chaos for some reason. Like the like, stock market. Yeah, like, that's right. Like, people on the floor screaming. Like, I don't know. Like, what is – We're screaming. Like? We're throwing papers in the yeah. air. We're waving oh. strange hand signals to each other. And, yeah. Um, it's a little bit like that. I mean – you know, when a when a job order gets posted, um, you know, it, it, in our system and, and emailed out to the recruiters, yeah, it's it's a foot race to try and get your candidates submitted to that job because, you know, you want to get your candidates uh, submitted first, um, and you want to try if you have multiple candidates, you know, uh, for that position, you want to try and get all of them submitted to the job. Um, now maybe not all of them are eventually sent over to the facility. You know, a lot of those facilities have uh, a certain limit. Some of them have a hard limit. They'll say, Hey, we're only accepting X number of candidates for this position. Uh, others, it's more of on a case by case basis, which is typically uh, the norm. They, they just say, okay, that's enough. Like we can't, we, we don't, you know, we, we don't have the time to go through every single person's profile who's interested in this job. Like, Thanks. We'll 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 go through the profiles you sent us over, and we'll uh, we'll we'll pick out a few that we want to uh, to do an interview with. So yeah, recruiters are trying to get their candidates submitted to a job as as soon as it gets posted. Um, you know, different agencies are structured different ways, but in most cases, you'll have 
typically they're called an account manager who are managing um, all the candidates that are being sent over to that client hospital. And, and they're kind of where recruiters are, are candidate facing, you know, they're the facility facing point of contact for the agency. So they're working with HR and all the individual uh, department leaders on, on their needs and facilitating, uh, you know, what orders get posted and, and profiles are being sent over and who they want to interview, who they want to make an offer to. And, and kind of that uh, facility, uh, you know, uh, process, facing process. So, um, yeah, the account managers are going to look at those profiles and determine kind of who they think has the best chance of getting the assignment. Both, you know, again, it goes back to what we talked about earlier for first-time travelers and how to kind of uh, get your foot in the door, right? So who can start sooner? Who's the best clinical match, obviously, for the position? Um you know, do they have, if they're in a licensed discipline, do they have the license in hand? Do they not? Um, you know, uh, who maybe is, is a little bit more willing to uh, maybe be a little bit more flexible in their pay package and they can therefore offer their client maybe a little bit of a lower rate, um, especially if we're competing against other agencies for the position, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, all those factors kind of uh, play uh, into who gets sent over and, and who doesn't. So um, again, the the more kind of flexible you can be, the sooner you could start, uh, the the better your chances are of, of getting submitted to a position and, and having that hiring manager uh, interview and, and offer you uh, the assignment. But it's always worth a shot, right? There's, there's never really any situations or circumstances where I'm going to tell a traveler, hey, you just, we submitted you, but like you have no chance. <laughs> um, if, you know, I wouldn't be, if I felt that way, I wouldn't be doing my job, right? I always feel like, hey, there's, there's, a, there's a chance here. It's worth us submitting you. Um, now, how likely is it for this position maybe versus another one? You know, it just depends on, on the situation and on the circumstances. But, you know, there's always competition internally amongst the recruiters um, and, then of course, externally, too, between uh, different agencies if it's, um, you know, if the job order is being sent to, to multiple companies, multiple agencies. And, and that kind of ties into managed staffing uh, programs and managed staffing providers or MSPs. Uh, for short. So you guys will hear that terminology, uh, obviously thrown around a lot in the travel world. And we could talk about that a a little bit uh, later in the podcast, if you'd like to, because there is a big difference between, um, you know, a job order that the agency has, and whether it's the MSP job order, a direct or uh, a vendor uh, job order. Mm. Well, I mean, I guess since you just brought that up, do you want to just kind of break that down quickly as far as, you know, what that means for the traveler, as far as them being able to kind of the competition for the job as well. Well, yes, certainly. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Aaron. I just wanted to add just because that's one, one suggestion that we always make to our travelers, especially when they're brand new is asking, you know, their company, like how many direct contracts do you have versus are you just strictly a VMS company? Because obviously the directs are going to get their candidates in, you know, faster and quicker and usually in that top um, stack, whereas the VMSs are waiting towards the end. Uh, just correct me if I'm wrong or just kind of explain that a little bit more. Yeah, so there's there's really three ways that an agency is, is going to obtain a job order, right? Alt- and also, ultimately, of course, the, the uh, first step is getting a master staffing agreement, right? You've got to have a, a, an overall contract in place, 
you know, with the facility that you're working with um, before you can place anybody there, right? Um, but once you have that contract in place, then you can start providing travelers to that facility. And there's really, um, from a job order standpoint, there's really three types of job orders. So there's the MSPs, uh, the managed staffing provider, there's direct and there's vendor. So um, an MSP, a managed staffing provider, is an agency has uh, obtained an exclusive contract with that health system to manage and provide all of their travel staff. And so it's in a strategic advantage of the health system to kind of offload or outsource their contingent labor uh, to an agency because we're the experts, right, in staffing. And they're the experts in providing health care. Um, they don't necessarily want to be totally bogged down by trying to manage all of their travel staff. It would just be too much uh, for their, you know, their HR department and, and for their, their team to, to handle, right? Um, so the advantage for a traveler is, is if we have an MSP order, typically we have some either lead time on that job or we hold it exclusively uh, unless we can't fill the position. And then we would uh, essentially subcontract it out to our approved associate vendors or other agencies that we, that we work with um, and send the job order to them and say, hey, we, we couldn't fill it ourselves directly. Um, you know, do you guys have anybody for this position? Because we, of course, uh, ultimately we need to get that need filled uh, for the health system that signed you know, the MSP agreement for us. So for you, it's, it's, as a traveler, it's a great advantage to be working with a large agency, you know, like mine, like club staffing and, and AMN healthcare, our parent company, because we have more MSP agreements than anybody else. And so we have a lot of exclusive job opportunities that you otherwise wouldn't have access to unless you were working uh, with us and you have a little bit less competition right? Because there's, there's not 10 agencies all vying for that same job order and trying to fill it. Um, direct orders are just what it sounds like, like direct. We're just working directly with the health system. They could have a contract with us. They could have a contract with half a dozen, a dozen other agencies. And when they have a need, um, they can send that job order to whoever they want. They could send it to us. They could send it to five other companies. Um, it's really kind of up to, uh, you know, their HR team and, and their department leadership, whoever kind of manages, um, you know, their, their travel uh, orders and hiring, who they give that job order to. Um, so that's fine. You know, we have good direct communication with the facility and, and there's usually some level of competition, but it's not, it's nothing too crazy. Um, and then you have vendor positions. So these are job orders that we've gotten from a, a, a VMS or a vendor management system. And so they're kind of like MSPs, but not really in the sense that they don't provide the staff directly themselves. They're more of a technology solution for these health systems. So if they want to, um, you know, uh, hire obviously travelers, uh, they can sign a contract with one of the VMS uh, companies that are out there. And then that VMS company will help them manage their travel staff. So it's not actively managed per se, like an MSP. Again, it's more of a technology solution where they just simply uh, post the job order in the VMS system, in their technology, on their website. And then that order gets sent out to all the agencies that work with that vendor management system, which is usually 
hundreds of companies. So the competition level for the candidates is very high on those VMS positions. And so your chances of getting an interview at an offer at a VMS position or a vendor position is lower than at a direct or at an MSP. Mm. That's, yeah, I feel like you explained that so well. It's you did. So you clear. just schooled me because <laughs> I always thought direct and MSP was the same thing. But now that's just something that blew my mind. So that's awesome. Thank you for explaining that. Yeah, I think that's good to know when you when a traveler is looking for companies, it's important to know the, the answers to these questions of like, do you want to work with a company that only has VMS jobs? And then the chances of you actually landing a job are pretty slim. Like, do you want to work with companies that do have more direct contracts, MSPs, things like that to guarantee that you'll get a job uh, probably much faster than just working yep. with smaller VMS companies or whatever. Um, the one thing I did want to say before uh, we move on is that I think another important thing for new travelers to look at and just travelers in general is really to look at the whole picture of everything and not just look at the money, not just look at the pay package or the hourly or whatever, to really look at everything. And, you know, we kind of went through this when I was trying to figure out where my next contract was going to be when we did decide to take a contract to end the year. And, you know, you were sending me jobs in the Bay Area, which you know, we love the Bay Area. Like it's one of our favorite places. We lived there for a while. The weather is amazing, everything. And it was a, a bit of a higher pay package. And then this, there was this job in Missouri and I was like, in Missouri in the winter. And then, you know, the pay package is a little bit lower. And if you were just looking at it from like a money perspective, it would have been like, oh, like let's go to the Bay Area. But when you take a step back, it's like, A, the Bay Area is so expensive, right? So you might be making $100 more a week, but your rent's like double, like what it would be in Missouri. Um, you know, and like looking at what's the volume of the department? How much call are you going to take? What are the hours? How big is the facility? Just depending on what the vibe is and what you're looking for, just really kind of um, covering all the bases and really looking at it from a different perspective when you're deciding what the right contract is for you at the time. Well, and I want to add just real quick on top of that, of everything that Kim just said, that's also a good um, strategy to go into when looking for a company. Look yes. at the big picture. Look at what they have to offer for you as the traveler, the MSPs versus the VMSs. What kind of support staff do they have for you? It's not always about having just the highest paying, you know, uh, agency that you work for. It's about what else do they have to support you? So like we always say, and great recruiters will also say, yeah, like work with multiple companies because that opens up your options, but it's about really seeing the big picture with the company you're choosing to work with as well. Mm. 100%. Hey, you hit the nail on the head. It's, you have to look at the total picture. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, this just popped in my head, but you know, a lot of times people, they want to, they want to ask questions, right? They want to talk to a couple of recruiters. They want to see who do they like personality wise? Um, is it a good fit? Is it a good vibe? They have specific questions to see if it's a good fit for them in, in all the ways. And so one thing that comes up a lot is if you call, so if we had a traveler just randomly call, say club staffing. Who and, heard this podcast and, and just called club staffing. Right. And they, and they, and Harry answers the phone and now they're talking to Harry and they, you know, they're like, okay, Harry's cool, whatever. But then they listen to this podcast oh. and like, you know what, I want to work with Mason's team. And, but now I'm stuck with this Harry. So like people have fear, like, cause 
now correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't it if they call a company and start talking with a the recruiter, they're kind of latched in with working to the rec- whoever picks up the phone is kind of who they're stuck with. So do you have any like advice or tips around that or because it, it sways people away from even wanting to call and like talk to anybody, you know? Yeah, and, and I would say there are a lot of great recruiters out there. So you may already be working with a great recruiter. You, you maybe just don't know it yet, right? You have to maybe give them a little bit of time and, and a chance. Um, but if you're not getting uh, out of it what you thought you would, right? They're not meeting your expectations. Um, and you should have strong ones. Um, then my advice would be is to, to call into the, the main you know, uh, office number, you know, that all be on their websites and just simply ask to talk to that recruiter's leader, you know, and have a candid conversation with their, with their direct manager, direct leader about, uh, what your expectations are and, and whether that recruiter is meeting them or not. Um, and they should be more than happy if they're not meeting your expectations in, um, potentially reassigning you. Um, it is a little sticky sometimes because, you know, you may have different teams within a different agency. And so a lot of times if we're going to, you know, transfer you from one recruiter to another, we'd like to keep you on your team specifically, um, you know, but, but again, talk, you know, uh, talk with their leader and, and, and if it's not at that point, you know, just have an open, honest communication with, with your recruiter is key. You know, mm-hmm. what's the expectation that you have of, of them, both from, um, you know, just a overall how you like to communicate, what's the, what's kind of the time frame that the two of you kind of have a, a general, I guess, um, you know, understanding of how quickly they're going to get back to you, how quickly you're going to get back uh, to them. Um you know, but they should never feel uh, scared or, or worried or feel bad about, you know, having that conversation with a, with their recruiter directly or with that recruiter's leader. You know, uh, you'd never want to have a traveler decide not to work with an agency just because they don't like their recruiter. That, right. that shouldn't happen. You should always be able to, to find a recruiter. If you like the company itself overall, you can get reassigned to a new recruiter. You shouldn't, you know, don't leave the company and, and work with somebody else just because you maybe don't have the best working relationship with your recruiter. No, and I love that. Cause I, and I think too, like, you know, we, I feel personally, and, and you can definitely correct me if I'm wrong, but I just feel like from Tim and I's point of view, we feel so honored that we've been able to grow with you. And it's not always been just like, oh, Mason talks and this is what we do or, or we ask and we, and we receive. It's been like a growth through the eight years, which I really love because I just feel like we've reached this relationship now that we have such open communication. It's not always like I'm right, you're wrong, you're right, we're wrong. It's this kind of growing together. And I, I always try to stress that with our travelers in our community that the relationship with your recruiter is like any other relationship in your life. I don't know why people just put it on this different kind of spectrum, but it's like you need to build a relationship there. And that is not always easy, but the more work you put into it, the better outcome you get. And I don't know if you feel the same way. Mm. Oh, totally. Uh, I mean, all the great recruiters will, uh, tell you that they, you know, they love their travelers, right? We live vicariously through you and, mm-hmm. and we're with you in the highs and the lows and the in-betweens. And, um, 
you know, so you should have a a great relationship with your recruiter. It doesn't mean you have to be best friends, but you should have um, a really positive working relationship. And, and it's all in the details too. We see so many times candidates, um, you know, something is going on, right. And they, maybe they can't take that contract that they said that they would, or, or they, they need to leave early and they, they make up kind of excuses or they give very vague answers or it's just a quick text or an email. I'm so sorry, but I can't go forward with the contract. You know, there's nothing, there's nothing worse than nothing that pains a recruiter more than, than getting one of those emails or those texts. And then you're calling to try and find out what's going on. Not that you're, you know, upset or angry at them, but you just want to kind of get more detail Mm -hmm. and we just get ghosted. And so, you know, so you, you know, just be open and honest. Say, Hey, look, I'm really sorry. I have real doubts for X, Y, and Z reason, or this just came up with my, with my family or my significant other, or, you know, we don't have to have necessarily every little detail about it, but at least give us some general understanding as to what's going on and, and, and what are you experiencing? Because we want to help you, right? We may have already been through this situation before. Um, it may be able to come up with a solution for you. We may not be able to fix it. And that's okay. But, you know, we have people that we have to answer to as well, too, right? The account manager is looking to the recruiter to know what's going on with the traveler so that then they can provide that information to the facility. And when we just don't have any answers at all, um, it obviously damages our relationship between the recruiter and the account manager and the facility. And, um, you know, it can, it can cause us to, you know, potentially lose clients, lose facilities that uh, were previously willing to work with us. And it could damage the relationship between the recruiters and, and their account managers, right? Maybe they think twice about sending Mason's candidate over because, well, he just had that cancellation, you know, at one of my other key clients. And now I'm not so sure, uh, you know, do I trust working with with Mason is, does he have his people, you know, uh, kind of, you know, really onboarded and, and cleared and, and screened and can I trust him? So, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot more that goes into it than kind of meets the eye. And so, uh, any recruiter will tell you that having just open, honest communication is one of their biggest, um, you know, uh, requests. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I, we preach that all the time and I'm glad that you brought that up because there is, there's so much going on behind the scenes and there, I don't feel like there's anything that really can't be solved or worked through with just having a conversation, talking it out, being clear and everybody being on the same page and then figuring it out from there. It blows my mm-hmm. mind that people actually ghost you. Like, I, I can't imagine mm-hmm. be like, Mason, I'm done with this contract and like never talking to you about <laughs> it. Like, I, this is crazy that people are, I'm sure you have the wildest stories from travelers. Like, <laughs> we do. Oh, yeah, we've, we've seen and heard a lot. So you may think that your situation is unique and like embarrassing. Believe me, it's not share it with your <laughs> recruiter. You know, again, you don't necessarily have to give us all the details if you're not comfortable with it, but at least let's talk about it. Right. Cause then we can go from there to your point we may be able to make the assignment work. We may not, but then if we don't, that's okay. Then once we resolve whatever is, is causing this kind of um, this, you know, adversity, then we can work together moving forward. Right. But if you, if you just get embarrassed um, and just, 
say, see you later, then there's nothing we can do. And, and then ultimately the only person that that's really hurt the most is you, is yeah. the traveler. The recruiter's going to move on. They're going to find somebody else and, you know, and hopefully there's not long-term damage that's done between the agency and the facility, but, um, you know, they're, they're going to move on, but your reputation is, is so important in this industry. And um, you'd be surprised how small of a world uh, the, the travel world can be sometimes. Yeah, uh, it, yeah. I have a funny story with that because it really is. Um, we, so I started in St. Louis and Aaron and I, my first week went to dinner with a couple travelers that were in the area also. And well, before that, my first, like my third day at work, one of the girls I worked with was like, okay, I have to just be honest with you because we've all been stalking you behind the scenes because basically somebody had told them that, oh, this girl, Kim, is coming to the hospital. She and her husband, you know, they, they're big in the travel world and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, definitely check them out. They're super cool. They're fun. They had good things to say. And so all the girls that I worked with then started to stalk me. <laughs> us. But it actually came from the lead that no longer works at the right. facility, which right. is even crazy. Right. And so they were stalking me, which I had, again, I had no clue any of this was going on. They didn't tell me until, you know, a few days in. And then Aaron and I end up going to dinner with two travelers we've never met before. You know, we're, they're in our community, but we've never physically met them. And one of the girls happened to be the girl who told the lead that I was coming. And it was all just like this wild, crazy world that we live in is it's so small. Everybody knows everybody. Oh, and then last little side note here for the story. I did when we first got to St. Louis, we drove by the hospital. I hadn't started working yet. And I did an Instagram story and I was like, this is going to be my new hospital. Like I'm so excited. And somebody who follows me on Instagram was like, oh my gosh, I work at that hospital. And I was like, are you serious? And she does echo. So she's right up the, the hall, whatever. So anyway, she kind of gave me the down low of the hospital. And, um, but it is, it's like, everybody knows everybody. And it's a small community and you do, you want to have a good reputation. Like what if that person would have been like, oh, Kim is like a shitty traveler and she's got a negative attitude and she sucks at life and she's always ranting and raving. Like they probably wouldn't have wanted to, well, even to work from, with me. Even from what Mason's saying, the agency side of things as well as yeah. a small world. So when you combine all of that. Do you guys ever blacklist travelers? Like, is that a thing where like, oh, you're yeah. like red yeah. flag? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for a lot of different reasons, and you know, um, and and one of them obviously could be, you know, overall lack of professionalism. You know, maybe they they bailed on too many contracts, or they had, you know, professional behavioral issues on on too many assignments. You know, where we say, hey, you're no longer eligible for travel with us, and you know, and and not just with us, but you know, hey, if we're a, an MSP, a managed staffing provider of a health system, and w you know, we have that order open to you know all of our um, associate agencies that we work with, and another agency tries to submit you to the job, we can stop it and say, nope, this person actually is you know at a, a terminate status with us, and. We're not submitting them to our client facility because we're looking out for the best interests of that client. So if we know of a, of a traveler's past history or reputation, yeah, if it's a negative one, 
you know, it could affect uh, your ability to be submitted to, to orders and not just through that one agency. And obviously the health systems do it too. You know, they're, they're keeping records of, you know, your, your performance uh, on their assignment. And if uh, somebody got let go because of a professional or behavioral issue, you know, at, at a particular hospital, that hospital could notify the, the overall health system. And so then if you tried to, you know, apply for or be submitted to say another hospital, but within that health system, they could say, no, you're not eligible for, for assignments with, with us. Mm. Wow. And then does social media, have you ever seen that? Like people's social media presence affects their job getting or not so much? Yeah, I mean, the individual agency or recruiter would would have to kind of research that themselves. And and so I don't think a lot of companies are actively um, scanning individual travelers uh, social media feeds and, and, and what they're posting. But certainly we've had situations where you know, recruiters or other people uh, employed by the agency have have noticed, you know, some some questionable posts, we'll put it that way, and have have raised their concerns uh, to, you know, the parties involved in working with that traveler. So yeah, you you know, it's, if it's out there, you know, it's, it's something that, you know, you need to be mindful of that can be looked at by both the agency and the health system you know, that, uh, that you're working for or, you know, future employers as well too. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Cause when I was hiring travelers at Stanford children's, I actually was, you know, it's one of the things that we looked at as a mm-hmm. collective leadership of just like, what's their social media presence? How are they presenting themselves? Because it now with social media, it is what it is. Like you put yourself out there, like you said, that's your, that's your behind the scenes kind of personality. And so, um, it is being looked at. So we always try to stress to our travelers as well. Just be careful not going on and blasting some hospital or blasting some recruiter or blasting some company. Like it, it's, it's there. It's out there for people to see. 100%. Yep. Um, okay. Wrapping this up, the last thing we just wanted to ask you about is obviously COVID-19. We're currently in a pandemic in our country. And you know, as travelers, we're on the front lines. Like I've been working for two weeks. I've scanned COVID positive patients every single day since I've started working. And so we have a lot of contact with these patients who are infected. And so how are, and I know all companies are different, but how are companies protecting their travelers? Like, I guess, cause a lot of people have concerns of like, what if I start a contract and I get sick and now I'm out of work, I'm not getting paid. I have medical bills possibly kind of you know, um, there's a lot of fear around that. And so, you know, what, what specifically, I guess you can speak just for club staffing, cause that's who you work for, but how are they protecting travelers as far as, are they covering their expenses if they're off for two weeks quarantining or what, how are you guys going about uh, protecting your travelers? Yeah. And, and, and my suggestion too, is, is for everybody who's actively traveling. If you don't know, find out what your agency's COVID policy is. You should know. And if you're, if you're going to get into travel, you know, that should be one of the questions that you're asking, um, you know, your, your recruiters to, to kind of do that research. But so for us, if you're, if you're quarantined uh, because you're, you know, symptomatic, then we are, uh, we are paying you while you're on, uh, your quarantine. And, uh, you know, typically most, you know, most people will recover within the 10 day time frame and, and they can go back to work and, 
you know, you don't miss out on any pay. Um, for us, if you go beyond 10 days, uh, then it becomes a workers' compensation case. So you are seeing at least, you know, some level of compensation and, and, and maintaining your, uh, your other benefits as well, too, until you fully recover and then can, you know, return to work. But find out what your agency's resources are and, and what their policy is. And we have a fantastic clinical management team. And, and so that's, um, you know, our department that, that handles kind of any of our COVID-related questions or issues. Um, and ours is, uh, honestly, I think it's second to none in the industry. We have, um, you know, a very robust clinical management uh, team and they're all, uh, you know, trained healthcare professionals, and many of them were travelers themselves too, so they can kind of uh, understand what it's like to to be in your shoes um, as well, just from that perspective. But yeah, find out what your agency's policy is, and we're very uh, very mindful and of trying to protect our travelers. And if they do uh, get sick, uh, making sure that we take care of you. It, it really is our first priority. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah, that was definitely on your mind going in. Well, it sounds like, wow, I haven't, I've been out of a hospital for seven months while all this has been going on. And I'm like, I'm about to walk in and be like with these patients. And, you know, God forbid some, yeah, I did contract. It was just, yeah, you fear of, you know, now you can't work and all the other stuff. So knowing that I would be supported during that time while I was quarantining and stuff really gave me peace of mind to know like, okay, like, God forbid something happens, at least I'm protected in that way, you yeah. know? Yeah. yeah. So I know um, in our conversation that you and I had, uh, you mentioned something about the SIA, um, the Staffing Industry Analysis uh, Prediction for Allied. Are you able to speak on that at all of, um, you know, just kind of is, is Allied sticking around? Is it dropping? Is it raising? Like, how are we looking as an Allied group this year? For 2021. Yeah, we're, we're looking really good. Um, SIA, you know, they, they're constantly revising their projections. And luckily, they just continue to, to revise them upwards. And I think the latest was a overall 2% growth this year for Allied, which considering the pandemic, to actually end the year up 2% uh, is, is really fantastic to see. And, and that includes a wide array of disciplines. And uh, a lot of the physical therapy and occupational therapy uh, market took a, a pretty significant hit uh, this year uh, because of some Medicare reimbursement changes that, that went into effect uh, at the end of last year. And, and so they just didn't need as many travelers as they did in the past. And it's been increasing, luckily, uh, the past few months. Um, but it's, it's not at the same levels that it was at uh, last year. If, if it was... Uh, we would have seen very strong double-digit growth for Allied overall. But uh, when you take out, you know, the, the PT and OT, um, you know, decline in, in orders that we experienced earlier in the year, um, the market is doing really good. It, it's really, really strong compared to, to where we were in April and May. It just continues every week to get uh, stronger and stronger. We see, you know, a strong order demand and, and a high number of, uh, of placements and to the point where, um, you know, we're now seeing, you know, uh, some pretty significant year over year growth uh, in, you know, some of the other disciplines like imaging and, and respiratory and lab. Awesome. No, I love that. Um, good. No, I just, I think like kind of summing everything up, like I'm really excited about this conversation because it really does feel like it's a good time for travelers who are been thinking about traveling or on the fence or waiting for the, you know, COVID to end or whatever the reasons were is like, it seems like it's actually a really good time to jump 
into the travel life. And that excites me because I want everybody to travel. Right. It's amazing. <laughs> um, yeah. As they, sh- as they should. Yeah. And, and, and bar any sort of major economic disruptions, 2021 looks like it's going to be a very, uh, very strong job market for travelers. So the, the future is bright. Perfect. I love that. So honestly, I mean, we could sit here and talk to you like probably throughout the whole week um, <laughs> of all the things that we could um, unpack. Talk, unpack, but um, we absolutely love that you took the time to come on here and talk to our audience and just talk to us because I learned some Share stuff in this wisdom. podcast. Um, but you know, if a traveler is listening to this, they are new or maybe they're not new and they're looking for another company, what's the best way to reach out maybe find you or your team. Well, because um, I know you don't actually recruit yourself anymore, right? Like you have a team that you'll then uh, refer travelers to. Is that right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. And they, they can, um, you know, probably best ways just to email me, uh, okay. which is uh, uh, Mason at clubstaffing.com. I've been, I've been around long enough that I have one of those like first name uh, email addresses, um, uh-huh. you know, but um, you know, not, not so much anymore. We have a few more, few more people than when I, when I started, but Mason at clubstaffing.com is, is probably the easiest way uh, to reach me. Okay, perfect. And we'll, we'll um, share in the show notes, we'll share your email and your number if anyone wants to get in contact with you. And then how does that work from your end? You'll just connect with the traveler and then you'll, you'll team them up with one of your awesome recruiters that you think would be a good fit based off what their needs are. Yep. Yep. We'll go ahead and um, I can kind of get the basics from them on, on what they're looking for and, and their particulars, but we'll go ahead and get them uh, paired up with uh, one of the fantastic recruiters on our team. Well, so that's awesome too, because that just kind of goes to what we were just talking about, because you're so knowledgeable in this industry and being able to speak to travelers and then, a, you know, give them to a, a recruiter that you feel would be great for them to work with. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like if they talk to you or just like, oh, I don't know, like, at least they have that third party there in a way that they could get the information they needed. And you, my friend, are one that I would suggest people talking to whenever they had questions. Um, But, but yeah, so that's really cool that, that you're, you're, you know, offering that. You're kind of like the matchmaker. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Mason, for being on. We so appreciate your time. We're excited to share all this with our traveling community and we will chat again soon. Well, thank you so much. I'm, I'm honored to be on and, and uh, really appreciate, uh, you know, your, your time and, and everything that you guys are doing uh, in the industry. I'm, you know, so happy for both of you. And I think uh, you're doing fantastic work in, in educating uh, people about the travel market and, and what it's uh, opportunities, um, you know, it can offer. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's been an honor working with you for these, these years. So we really appreciate it. So thank you so much. So that wraps up this week's jam packed episode. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as we did. It was fun just like shooting the shit with him really. And being able to go behind the scenes and, and really just get a glimpse into what it's like from the other side. Cause a lot of times we're just focusing on the traveler side and we are a partnership, us and our recruiters, we're in a partnership, we're in a relationship. And so we love to hear the different perspectives of travelers and even just hearing him talk about like the blacklist and stuff. It's mm-hmm. just like, I don't, it's just a small world. And it's funny to pull back the curtain of the big bad recruiters, yeah. you know, because it's like, there's always this what's happening back there and yeah. what are they doing? And it's just nice to hear 
just a, what do you call it? Like a, a, a easy conversation yeah. between recruiters and travelers. And recruiters are just like us. They they're are. They're humans. They're people. They have families. They deal with shit too. And everybody is just trying to work together to do their best to have a successful contract for us travelers, mm -hmm. right? So, and I love how he said that in the episode that they live vicariously through us. I know, which is really cool. I know they they're like stuck at their desks all day while we're like <laughs> well, not anymore because of the episode from home. Yeah. So, if you guys liked this episode, please leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts. And if you want to chat with Mason and get some more information or work with somebody on his team, we have put his information, his email, his phone number in the podcast description. So check it out and yeah. we will see you next Tuesday for a brand new episode. And that one's going to be a big one too. A big uh, interview with Jonathan Pierre, which we're super excited about. Um, he is awesome and has so many valuable tips. Um, so yeah, look forward to that. And again, share this out with your friends. If you know somebody that is looking to travel, um, is nervous about the market, this is a great place for them to start. So share this out with your friends and we will see you next week.